Hello and welcome to Tranquil Awakenings with me, Debbie Ison. On today's show, we're going to be discussing parapsychology. As you'll have already discovered, I'm interested in all things spiritual and through the work that I do with my clients, I have a fascination with the paranormal. So I'm going to welcome on today's show, Caroline, who is a parapsychologist. She will discuss with you what parapsychology is, we will explore some of the methods that parapsychologists use and what it was that made Caroline embark upon her journey to becoming a parapsychologist. So today on Tranquil Awakenings, I'm going to be having a discussion with my friend Caroline. And the reason I've brought Caroline on is she's a parapsychologist and we met a few weeks ago on the school run. So my children have recently moved school and I just saw this lady walking along and I just thought she looked really interesting. I don't know what it was, but we got chatting and quite quickly we started sharing experiences and stories. So she told me about her training as a parapsychologist and I was explaining some of the elements of my work that involve supernatural things particularly the entity work that I do where an individual might have a lost soul attached to them or a different type of being that needs releasing into the light so that that person can feel more at ease. However, I'm not just happy knowing that these experiences happen. I like to understand the science behind it. So when a few weeks later I had an experience where one of my students was in class and she had an entity attached to her, we decided to record the session. But to my annoyance, when we listened back to the recording, every time that the entity had spoken, there was no audible sound on the recording, despite the client speaking louder than her own voice when it was done. So I came to Caroline, and that has led to some fantastic and interesting conversations. So I thought you might like to join in with those today. So welcome, Caroline. Thank you for having me. (laughs) So what is parapsychology? Um, So the strict definition of parapsychology is that it's a field of study that investigates the paranormal or psychic phenomena. Um, So that includes precognition, clairvoyance, uh, telepathy, ESP, out-of-body experiences, apparitions and hauntings. Um, so, so quite a range of sort of para. That is a wide variety of different things to study, isn't it? Yes. I bet that's fascinating. I bet there's so many different avenues to be explored. It's so vast. So, so there's so many sort of like things to look at and so many different elements that can affect them as well. Mm-hmm. So, so it really is a fascinating area to sort of look at. That's amazing. So how on earth did you get into this? Oh, so I've always had an interest um, because since I can remember, I've always had experiences that I haven't been able to explain. Oh, right. Um, So it's been quite close to my heart. They always say that in psychology, you always study um, what is, you know, to do with you personally. And that's certainly the the case here. Uh, So I had to do, I've, I've kind of done a master's in psychology, so all round sort of 
psychology sort of initially Mm -hmm. and then sort of specialised in the the parapsychology, which is what I wanted to do. So it was my particular aim. (laughs) That's really exciting. And I was really excited to find out that you have got all the technical equipment as well. So I'm very much looking forward to having a little experiment and a play with you at some point with that. Yeah, I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) So you said, obviously, you've always had experiences. What sort of experiences have you had? Oh, many. So I've always had the feeling sort of that, you know, that there's people around mm-hmm. me, uh, which I found very frightening as a young child. So I was always hiding under my covers. <laughs> uh, um, I've had experiences where I've known things before they've happened. Um, whether that's sort of been a, a thought that I had and then it's kind of happened the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sort of, there's there's been quite a lot of coincidences like that that have occurred. I have seen physical, um, what I would term as ghosts. Wow, what happened? Oh, there's, there's various stories <laughs> here. <laughs> um, one particular um, incident was um, there was a lady that I thought was a real person that I was talking to and I can't explain where that person went to um and and you know I, I've tried and logic it and and understand what that is but I've never got to sort of what what happened that day mm-hmm. uh, uh to understand it fully so is some of this desire then to study parapsychology all about finding those answers yes Absolutely. Because <laughs> I think that some of it can actually be explained um, by, you know, the, the human experience and the, the, the psychology of us as humans. So there's lots of things that we're very similar on. So we have a confirmation bias, for instance. So we only take on things that support our existing belief system. Um um a lot of eyewitness testimonies as well can be flawed um so in sort of cognitive psychology they they kind of go into to those flaws so if there was an incident you might just focus your attention on something that's a threat might not see the peripheral so you can miss quite a lot of what's going around and and take a belief system from from that as well so your pre-existing beliefs affect how you view things and your perception and also your memory of it can be quite flawed and that makes perfect sense obviously from the therapeutic work that I do often I'm dealing with clients memories and belief systems and they tend to be distorted due to their perception at the time and as soon as we start reframing them or looking at them from different angles it helps to shift the person but I can see that that plays out in all areas of life with every single person yeah, and it's an area where it plays out in also para experiences because we're, you know, we're, we're all, I suppose we've all got sets of beliefs, whether we choose to, to not believe in the paranormal, that, that's still a belief mm-hmm. um, system. So it's quite interesting to see how that plays out. And one of the sort of key things that I'm looking at is that part where the how the belief system does affect those power experiences that that people have so say for me i'm very open because of my personal experiences growing up and 
also because I'm seeing the same patterns occurring with lots of clients that I'm working with. So does that mean then I'm more likely to experience other paranormal experiences because I'm open to the idea of it? The, well, what what the research is saying at the moment is they've, they've certainly looked at that and they're trying to sort of see if there's a link between those belief systems. However, what they're finding is, is that you cannot, you know, you might not have those belief systems and still um, experience para paranormal experience is the same so it's it's not a strong uh, correlation however the research is done quite top level so they've not gone down into the individual different belief systems mm -hmm. so it's quite top level at the moment because there's as you know there's there's lots of different belief systems you know what how people like to define themselves empath intuitive you know energy workers you know there's there's quite a lot of different belief systems within the psychic kind of heading so it's drilling down and seeing if there's i suppose any correlation between those separate beliefs to those experiences that people have that's really fascinating i can think back actually to lots of conversations i've had with friends who do not have those spiritual beliefs However, they will have often stated they've had similar experiences, technology behaving strangely, um, thinking of somebody, and then all of a sudden that person making contact with them, deja vu. However, they tend to explain it in a, a different way or rationalise in a different way to perhaps the way that I would do it. So rather than the experience being different, it's what we choose to define it as or what label we put on it. And that is you've exactly hit parapsychology <laughs> on the head there with the belief systems because you know it's that confirmation bias so we will tend to explain things in what our belief system framework is mm -hmm. um and also you know with coincidences you know that that is a human condition as well so you know we are programmed evolutionary to see um those patterns to to survive okay. and you know like you see faces in in inanimate objects see patterns like you know you can have some blobs on a paper and you you you, you see patterns you can make a butterfly out of it or it you know it, it's it's that human experience of how you see those patterns as well yeah that makes sense so that's probably why there's two different explanations to, to, to one experience. Mm -hmm. And I like the way that when you were sp speaking a moment ago, you said research at the moment. Yeah. And I think that's really important because sometimes I'll come across somebody who says they're very scientific and they'll say, well, this is fact, this is what science says. But to me, science isn't this immovable dogma. It's a constant evolution of, We've learned this so far. What else can we learn at a deeper level from it? And I think that's really fascinating the way that you're approaching this. It's we've got this research at the moment. This is what we think it means, but we're going to progress on and discover more. And I think that's really important, especially when dealing with this side of the world, this parapsychology element, because there is so much that we can't explain at the moment. And I think it's really good to start working out things we can explain. So then you've got that separation between what are the genuine things that are going on and what is it that's part of just 
being a human was part of our biology, our DNA. I totally agree with you. And that's why I chose to do the parapsychology because I think, I think like just like you said, there's things that we can explain, there's, there's, there's things that are that human condition and then then I think you're left with the rest. And science, um, you know, I personally believe that we're nowhere near with our science knowledge. Mm-hmm. I, I think we're in our infancy of our knowledge and, you know, we've only sort of, you know, we, we don't know everything about, say, like, quantum mechanics and I think that's a huge area on the subatomic level that we don't understand that I personally think if you know if 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 the paranormal is anywhere it's it's there is my personal opinion and I thought we're nowhere near um advanced enough to to kind of understand that so I think no matter what we kind of find, we've, we will always have more to learn. We can Science can never say definitively yes or no to anything. And, and even, you know, sort of your scientists say that, you know, they can suggest, but they can't definitively say because we, we, we don't have all the knowledge. I mean, I think we've still, over the last few years, discovered additional organs and functions and things that are happening in the human body. Yeah. And I think... Do you know what? If we've dissected and cut open so many people, if we've operated on so many people and explored the human body for so long and we're still finding new terrain within it, then when we're exploring the whole universe and how everything works, it's just mind-blowing to even think about that. Absolutely. And if you think about it sort of logically, we don't even know what... We can't even define consciousness. So our, our scientists do not know what consciousness is. Which is amazing, isn't it? Because I know I was having this conversation with my friends the other day and we were discussing, well, is it something that's part of the biological function? But what happens then when people have near-death experiences and they still have an awareness of what's going on? So, for example, there's a case I read recently where there was a lady who could see everything that was going on in the operating table where she died for a little while, but she was physically blind in her real life body. So how could she explain that? So therefore we were coming to the conclusion that perhaps consciousness is something beyond the physical body. But if it is, what is it? And it's really interesting, sort of, because I've been also sort of reading uh, a lot about um, a parapsychologist called uh, Susan Blakemore, and she sort of like specialises in the OBE experiences because she went into parapsychology because she kept she she had a really when she was young an OBE OBE experience, so she wanted to kind of explain that. And there's a lot of interesting research around that. Um, And, you know, it's it's that understanding. So, yeah, there's that what is consciousness. And there's also they found that there's um, when there's a sense sensory sort of inhibition that we our brain doesn't like it. And it tends to um, make when it hasn't got sensory stimulation, it, it tends to fill in the gaps so if we're in a situation like that what they're surmising is that the brain is taking sort of information from the senses that are that it can take them from and because it's limited then it's inventing the reality around itself which is great but then you go back to okay then so 
how how do they know about this being said well maybe they can hear and they're getting certain stimulus i don't know because they still don't know enough about you know they haven't got enough scientific knowledge sort of neuro sort of scientists don't know enough about how the brain still works um they there was also um where they they can if you if you can't see your arm, but you can see it. So if, say if you put your arm there, you've got both your arms there, and then you've got a fake arm here and you've got something that's covering your arm. Yeah. And they will um, run something down your arm and the fake arm. So you're only viewing the fake arm and then they'll stop doing it on this. But you will still, even though that's a fake arm and it's not attached to your sort of your your system at all where watching them stroke a feather you will still feel that if they put a needle in it because you're it's they're, they're trying to understand sense of self at the moment and they think psychologically we've always think that we're inside our body mm-hmm. however now they're thinking because of these types of research and experiments that they're doing well actually that's a perception that we have when actually it's not right it's not true um so it's really interesting and and if if you want to sort of have a look at that then sue blake sue blakemore's done done quite a a lot of research on that area it's absolutely fascinating i love all of this stuff and i think like it's so vast though there's so much that can be explored with all of this and i don't think people realize because unfortunately um it's kind of it's it's hidden re it's not hidden research it is there but most people wouldn't be aware of it it's not in the public domain so you would have to specifically sort of go on um you know um google scholar is a good one to have a look at um where you can go on and you can sort of put some keywords in and you can find some peer-reviewed scientific research papers on this but it's not in the mainstream so people don't know so you've got different sectors so you've got your ghost hunters you've got your sort of working psychics and then you've got you know your different sort of parapsychologists that really aren't all getting together but I think if there was a collaboration and an understanding I think we'd kind of get a little bit further with all of this. It could really advance so much more quickly couldn't it? I think so. I mean I'd love it to explore my work some more so what basically happened is a few years ago I had a situation where a lady, um, whilst relaxed, not under hypnosis, um, a different voice came out of her and said some quite scary things. And as a result of that, I had a very life-changing experience. And for a year, I sensed and felt that that presence with me. Now, I dealt with that. But over time, going through that journey, I started to interact with clients more that had things attached to them. So often things that would be classed as earthbound spirits. So people who have just just died, basically they're deceased, but haven't gone into the light for some reason. But also other things that would be traditionally classed as, say, a demonic entity or dark force entities. And what I found fascinating as I was going through that experience, it was very much like learning on the job, was regardless of the people that came in, they were normal professional people, led normal lives. They were coming in with symptoms, wanting something dealt with they weren't coming in because they felt they had an attachment but because I the way I do the therapy I asked to go to the energetic origin to find out what's going on and sometimes people reported it was something external to them and I started to see patterns 
certain things correlated. So if it was an earthbound spirit, it would be the same methods I would use each time to bring it to a positive resolution. So it'd be providing therapy. It would be just finding out how long that individual had been with the client and why, taking them back into their life when they could remember, finding out how they died, what were they still holding on to, providing them healing. So not really much different to the therapeutic work I was doing with clients and then helping them to progress into the light. Whereas if it was something that was classing itself as dark force entity, a whole different protocol would need to take place. So often they'd be more abusive, swearing, um, being quite insulting or derogatory. They would say that they had a specific job to do or a task they were intent on harm or some sort of destruction. And they would tend to have a master. They would be this chain of command and they would have a specific set of criteria that they were meant to meet. So my job with those is very different. It's to get them to understand that they've got free will they don't need to be punished if they don't do their job, that they can go into the light, the light isn't going to harm them because time and time again, they'll say that the light burns them, the light will destroy them. They've been told that the light is bad, it's evil. Oh, it's I didn't the know same that. messages time and time again. They have to stay away from the light. So as soon as you start to explain the light isn't going to harm you and actually your light, so the next job is getting them to recognise that they are part of light and source. So therefore, if they're part of it, they can't cease to exist and also it can be healing. And at that point, then they can make the choices to whether they want something else. So time and time again, I've been finding this same pattern that works. So it seems it's more than a coincidence. And then as I've started researching it more, I found that there are other people such as William Baldwin who have had similar experiences and are using similar protocols. And it was the same patterns working for him years and years ago as it is for me now. That's what I find really interesting, that it's replicable. The whole thing over and over again yeah. is the same. Sort of, I'd love to find out more of what's actually going on with that. I don't have a clue. I don't know if it is genuine external beings. I don't know whether it's something within the collective consciousness. I don't know whether it's something within cellular memory somehow. But it really produces effective results for those clients when we shift those things on. There's profound healing that takes place. But wow, I would love to find out if other people are having those experiences and if it can be explored in a more scientific context. Yeah, and certainly, you know, they can sort of set up experiments, parapsychologists to, to do exactly that. And it's great. I think what's wonderful about you is that you are really happy to explore and understand what you're experiencing. And I think that in itself will help other people mm -hmm. so i'm a, i mean i'm a big believer in power of the mind as well yes. so massively think that you know how you think and how you approach things is 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 going to have a, a big effect on your life yeah. um it's one of my biggest beliefs i think mm -hmm. um so you know it's it's understanding that as opposed to you know, also energy. I mean, when you when your sort of clients come in, that they, they're not sort of they haven't they've, they're coming in for therapy. They're not coming yeah. in for necessarily the spiritual. Yeah. So, you know, would it it would be really interesting to know what belief systems that they had, you know, um, because I you know I would say you've got quite a mix of people. So definitely, and some 
It's always a bit of a weird scenario then to actually explain to a client or give possible explanations of what may have happened to those who have either got strict religious beliefs or have got no belief in anything supernatural or spiritual. When they've then gone through this experience, it's almost harder to explain it to them than those that have do have some sort of belief. Yeah. But regardless of whether they have any belief in anything supernatural or spiritual, it's the same process with the same outcomes. And that's what I find really interesting. That is really interesting. And, you know, as I said, that's one of the key elements that sort of I'm looking to extend research on, actually. So, you know, that <laughs> that's definitely sort of of interest to me to to kind of have a look into that further. Because part of me wondered, is it my mind that's creating it? And is it some sort of shared energetic field because of my belief systems? But then when I started reading that other people, like Baldwin and Fior, have had similar or the same experiences as well, I thought it's not just me, there's other people out there doing this. And I bet there's loads of us. But because people don't talk, probably don't know about half of these people. Yeah, it sounds like it's an in- in- intuitive connection as well um another thing that i have a belief (laughs) is is that we we don't i don't think we effectively use all of our mind we certainly don't understand what our mind is and it just makes you wonder if there is you know other elements to to our consciousness well we definitely don't understand because we 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 can't define consciousness so you know it's it goes back to that as well is there's been a lot of inventors that have come up with the same invention at the same time and tried to trademark it there's been sort of a couple of of you know examples of this wow. i always find that fascinating that's amazing like these you know pretty much the same time that they're thinking you know of you know the their inventions that are are quite unique Mm -hmm. so why is that happening at the same time that that's a good question isn't it where's that you know where's where's that inspiration coming from is it you know because society and around them and what they've learned um or is it you know just intuitively some you know they've Wow. It's a mystery, isn't it? It is. It's it's another pattern, isn't it? I love having these conversations, though, because they just raise more and more questions. I know. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So, obviously, when you and I have spoken before, you've also spoken about different experiments where they've perhaps found some good results, but they haven't been able to necessarily replicate them. So what happens in those scenarios? So, yeah, a good example is in 2011, one of the leading psychology journals um, published the fact that they were, um, that um, th- there was a published paper that reported the evidence of precognition. And that included sort of what seemed to be impossible phenomena where the uh, participants in the study were more likely to recall words that they only studied after the fact. Wow. Th- that blows my mind. That's incredible. Yeah, so so that infers, and, and this goes back to quantum mechanics, and I know that we've had a conversation about, about this <laughs> um, previously, where it's about when, when it ob- can be sometimes when something is observed. Mm-hmm. So scientists proved that that... It starts off as 
waves and it only sort of the the it only um turns to sort of like atoms and and like material what we can observe mm-hmm. when it's when we observe it wow so until that time it's inferring that it doesn't exist that that's as far as our sort of as far as i understand if there's any physicists out there please correct yeah, and me. i have got some <laughs> physicist friends so if any of you want to get in contact and give us a more technical definition however i think for most of the listeners that's probably satisfactory there are some really cool youtube videos on it as well though so do have a look and go and research it for yourself so that always blows my mind because okay so so something's only observable it's only there only exists when we've observed it and so is this proving that point is this study proving that point um but to go back to your sort of original point um about it is the the issue is is this you know this was a highly respected sort of journal and they went through, looked at the m- methodology of it, quite happy with it. But if it can't be repeated by other scientists, of a sort of parapsychologists, um, then they tend to not believe it. Mm-hmm. So they then start doubting it. They think, well, maybe there was a flaw in the in yeah. in, in the original, which I can understand, but. Again, we've had a discussion, haven't we, where we go, well, is that because Psy acts unpredictably and we, we you know, it's, it's not a predictable format in the fact that you can repeat it. it yeah. It's that kind of... Well, I was thinking about this some more after I had all my technological blips the other week. <laughs> and I was thinking, well, if these beings that I'm interacting with are a consciousness within themselves and they do have choice of what's going on, then the problem might occur that they might just not want to play ball. It depends on what their agenda is and what their purpose is, as to, I suppose, whether they want to be revealed and known or whether they don't and in what circumstances or format. So that is a whole different sort of ball game, then, isn't it? Because you're having to think about other things con- like their consciousness, their awareness. And I suppose also, like, this is me thinking out loud now, so it's not really thought through. But like the ethics of that potentially, I mean, I sometimes think they say with like ghost hunters that go and say, ghost hunt a place for fun. They go to somewhere that there's been lots of hauntings and they go with their equipment and they go to sort of see if things move and rattle. How ethical is that to be turning something with its own consciousness into a form of entertainment without its consent? Do you know what? And I, this is something that I, I agree totally and utterly agree with is that i've i'm really interested in in obviously watching the ghost hunter programs um and sort of what i particularly like most haunted just because there's a bit of a balance there because i've got a parapsychologist um so you know some you know he he adds a a bit of a, a different element in for me um but the i i i would say uh, especially if it's recent deaths as well um and when they go around sort of old hospitals it worries me because they're to me they're people yeah 
So that could be like you or me, you know, and somebody's going in and they're, they're trying, they're, they're prodding them, trying to, I think, you know, there's been reports, especially in America, of some ghost hunters causing more problems, the, the phenomena um, increases um, because you would, you know, you're a person, it's the same consciousness, let's yeah. say, it, it, this is my belief, it's obviously not scientifically proven, but, you know, it's the same consciousness, if, it, if it's there, how would that feel? How would you feel as this? It's the same as us. If someone no was going difference. in, sort of winding you up and trying yeah, to annoy like... you. And I've heard of people saying before, I got into an argument with somebody once. I can't remember why or how we got into this discussion. But they said that they like to go into these places and they start insulting whatever's there. Yeah. to start winding them up because it builds up a charge in the end. They got quite enthusiastic about it. Mm. I was like, that's really that's unethical. Offensive. Yeah. It's offensive. Why would you want to be being horrible to anything else there just so that you can get a reaction? It's a per I suppose, you know, if you believe in consciousness, it's, it is a person without a body. That's the only difference, without a body. So would you treat another person like that? How does that feel? Mm. You know, and and... I totally agree with you. And that's, that's especially when it's children, that really upsets me. I really yeah. struggle to watch it when it's kids. Mm -hmm. And and what, what I don't understand is they usually have like a medium or a psychic going around. I don't know why they don't take them to the light. And that's what I don't understand with these places. So obviously the work that I do is when I get a client that comes to me who's got one of those issues, my primary concern becomes the spirit that's with them they're the one that needs to be helped first because I can't help and shift the client until that spirit is helped and healed so I wouldn't ever just leave a spirit I wouldn't ever cast one out and sort of demand it leaves the client and leave it wandering around it needs to be helped it needs to be guided and supported to the light before I can then proceed with the work on the client the client's going to improve and change automatically if they've no longer got something in their energy field that shouldn't be there but it should always be done with kindness and compassion and caring. And this is where I don't understand yeah. those scenarios where those things are then just left. Yeah. I mean, I think, again, it goes back to the fact that, you know, I think some of those experiences, are, you know, may be out of fear because sometimes if we go into, we have an expectation of when we go into those sites of, of, of that and we can assign sort of like if we hear something you know, a bang, which could be hit, probably not heating, but for, that's a for instance, yep. you know, we, because of our belief systems, we might actually assign that to being sort of a ghost or something paranormal. Well, actually, it can be I think a lot normally of explained. Yeah, normal explained yeah. things, normal phenomena that happen in everyday life that are nothing yeah. to do with anything unusual or strange or unfamiliar. Like, yeah. say, things like the heating, doors banging, draft. Yeah, and I think, you know, and even light phenomena, um, I'm a big believer that orbs, the little orbs that are dust particles, yeah. uh, you know, and, you know, whenever someone tends to, unless it's pretty impressive orb, to be fair, like massive, then I'm just thinking that's a dust particle. Mm -hmm. So, and and I think as well, you know, the the moving of the tables and, and that you know 
magicians use that. I mean, I'm a big fan of Darren Brown as well. He's amazing, isn't he? He's absolutely amazing. And to see him doing medium readings better than mediums, you know, with, with no psychic ability, um, being able to basically produce a lot of what the 19th century mediums did, mm -hmm. I think is a big wake-up call because, you know, some of it can be man-made. Yeah. And I think, you know, this is the good thing about sort of magicians, parapsychologists and, and everybody working together. You know, I see para, parapsychology is not just psychology. I see it that you have to be aware of biology, physics, you know, even magicians, how they, they, they affect people's perceptions. Because I think, you know, there's, there's a lot, we all think we're unique. Mm -hmm. We're not, we're very similar. Yeah. There's ever so much similarities between different people. The amount of clients that I get come in to see me and they'll have their consultation and they'll say, am I really bad? Am I beyond helping? Or, <laughs> oh, I bet I've no you've never seen anyone as bad as this before. Or, oh gosh, I feel bad. I feel like I've spoken too much. And I have to reassure them that, do you know what? You're not on your own. You are unique and you're special and you've got your own unique circumstances, which we will work through. But these issues... I've seen time and time again and can be sorted. So it's okay. And they need that reassurance that they're not the worst person ever to have experienced these things and they're beyond help. Because I think we are quite similar on lots of different levels. Absolutely. But we don't often recognise that. No. <laughs> <laughs> so you were saying last night you were watching a programme and it sounded really interesting. Was it Morgan Freeman? Yeah, so I watched a couple of Morgan Freeman. I love a bit of Morgan Freeman. You know, through the wormhole. <laughs> love it. it, it <laughs> you know, because you, you can get quite a snapshot of all those different disciplines mm -hmm. of science yeah. and, and sort of where they are sort of with their most recent research. Mm -hmm. You might not ever know. Um, so they were looking, uh, one of the programmes was looking at... Um, consciousness in robots right. so they're trying to sort of push push it to the next level mm -hmm. so they had de designed robots that can see um that can make decisions they even had some that were working as a football team so they didn't tell them what to do they progressively learned and worked as a team yeah. but the interesting thing about the robots were they were all consciously connected to each other because they're on the, the same and and then they were able to work better as a team and because they already knew that one was going to pass the ball that way mm -hmm. it was that instinctive collective wow. you know consciousness that we you know that sort of you know is, is mentioned quite a lot which that's amazing isn't it and then to think obviously that's with robots and they're developing that level of consciousness but then to incorporate like what you've said of we've got our human biology involved. There's our DNA and how that impacts us. There's what's passed through our ancestors. There's the chemicals and hormones that our bodies release and the sort of electrical connections in our brain. And then sort of the physics that goes on with inside the body or the reactions. And then beyond us, everything that's going on. It, it's such a huge topic. I hadn't realised yeah. until we're speaking today just what so a vast, vast project you've got on. And, you know, you've just got to sort of, I think you've just, and I think anybody who's interested in the paranormal, mm -hmm. I think 
it's so vast it's so interesting and I, I think it's just been a sort of opening yourself up to all those different streams of information and some of them a little bit complicated so that's why I go the Morgan Freeman because <laughs> they put it in dummy guide fashion but it, it it really it's really it's so interesting to understand ourselves and the world around us which we sort of wouldn't ever sort of consider and then sort of with these kind of robots going back to the observable right, and human traits so so that, so if we're saying that paranormal only happens because we're of our human traits well if we're starting to develop robots that not the level of consciousness as we understand consciousness you know but they're sort of making decisions they're learning they're adapting themselves mm-hmm. you know if we put in one of those robots for instance into a a haunted location would that experience the same phenomena as say a human being going into it with their sets of beliefs because that that could be a good sort of control test couldn't it it would be fascinating have you got access to one of those robots no i only saw it last night and i was thinking what a great idea that would be because then you take all your belief systems out you know um because they were they were sort of like putting sensory perceptions trying to i mean i don't think i don't know if they've got touch now i have to have a look at that but you know because a lot of the reported sensations um in a haunted location are touch aren't they because they have those little bears um do you know they they've got like monitors and if they're touched they go so a lot a lot of haunted locations that have children they put like a little bear and if it makes noise it's because it's been touched and that's how they test so that so there's so I suppose they're operating it on a, a slight basis there, but yeah, that would be fascinating. Yeah. So obviously you've just said about putting like little bears that are sensory in those places. Yeah. What other sort of equipment do you use then? Oh, so you know you've got all your your voice phenomena. So you've got your kind of EVP sort of tape recorder. So you've kind of all the stuff that's on the kind of ghost hunting programs that you would kind of look at you've got your sort of your lasers as well so the the dots all over the wall so if it breaks the lasers you know there's reports sometimes of sort of dark shadows and again there's there's a psychology reason for why we see we sometimes think that we see something in dark shadows as well so so that is a human experience phenomena Mm -hmm. um however um sort of people shine these laser lights so there's blobs so if it breaks it it's like a a sensor break so if you no longer see you know it actually blocks off the the dots um sls camera so this is a camera do you know like on your playstations or your wii's where you move and it scans your body so it's looking at your body to play the games um they've attached them um to um um like a a, a, um an ipad and it's got what's got an app on it and if i was to sit across from you i would see a stick figure of you so it maps it maps your body like it would map your body on a game to see your movements um so it can't map anything that's kind of not there it's picking it just picks up 
mm -hmm. a, a person. Yeah. So you could see that. So you could sit here and you mm -hmm. could like look and see the people, get people what you can test it. Yeah. Um, the phenomena comes in with an SLS camera is when there is mapping a body, like a, it looks like a matchstick man or person, mm -hmm. but there's no human there. Wow, that's amazing. I didn't know that there was something like yeah. in as much detail as that. That's incredible. Yeah, so they call that an, an SLS camera. And, you know, there's quite a few of the ghost hunting programs that do use those SLS cameras. And they're quite interesting um, because they, you know, you can get sort of different sizes of entities. And sometimes, you know, they go in and it, if they think it's a child and they put the S SLS camera there, then it's actually physically sometimes appears, you know, obviously I'm not there, so it appears that it's mapping a smaller person. Wow. So it kind of looks like it's correlating to the mm -hmm. story that they're telling. Obviously, that's not scientific. No. So from a parapsychology point of view, but it's really interesting mm -hmm. to, to do those experiments yourself. That sounds great fun. Yeah. I would definitely like to do explore it. all of this at some point more. Maybe just out of interest, I'd like to understand what's going on more in the world around me. Yeah. I think it's absolutely amazing. And I think I think sometimes with people, like I say, that, that we, it seems to be a lot of different sectors in the paranormal world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I think that if everybody got together a little bit more and was more cl collaborative, um, and it had that open mind aspect to it. Mm -hmm. um, I think we would learn far more. Definitely. And I think that keeping an open mind is really important. Yeah. So for me, if my work got proven to be something that wasn't supernatural, I'd be equally as interested in that as if it was proven to be something supernatural because I'm open to understanding more and finding out what it is and I think when you get a fixed rigid point of view then sometimes you're missing out on opportunities or experiences or greater understanding so I think like you say if you could get all the people in all different fields and also different belief systems coming together wow what an amazing amount of progress that could be made but I think with you Debbie specifically I think that is because you want your best for your clients so I do, I genuinely believe you're so open and not so fixed because you want to know what you're doing works for your clients. Yes. So, but you want to understand why it works yes. because if you understand why it works, then you can, you know, you can add more to that as well. So, you know, I think that's an amazing position to, to be coming from. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> So, is there anything else you think our listeners would really like to know about today or if there's any key points you would like to impress upon them? It's so vast. It's so <laughs> exciting. Um, you know, if you've got any questions, go to Debbie um, because I know that you're, you're sort of really into it mm -hmm. as well. Um, I, I just think enjoy, enjoy your human experience. Um, and it's good to have beliefs. I think, you know, most people assume that parapsychologists don't believe in the paranormal, mm -hmm. their own personal beliefs. The point of para parapsychologists are a mixture of people. So you have yeah. people that come from an aspect of 
they want to come into it to explain it because mm -hmm. they believe in it. You get the other people that don't believe in it, believe in it. But the whole point of it is no matter what the belief system is, is it's got to be testable and they've got to be open-minded. Mm -hmm. So you usually find with your parapsychologist that they have to be open-minded because if they're not open-minded, they can't run a proper scientific experiment. Mm -hmm. um, it's flawed. Um, so whatever aspect they're coming, I think that's really important for people to take away. Definitely. And I think that's the difference, isn't it, between true scepticism and people out there say that are on the internet saying they're sceptics, where basically they're non-believers. And like you said, they've got that um, their own biases there that yeah. whatever's presented to them, they're going to say, well, it's not true. This doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Because if you go and look at the research now that's been produced, it's really high quality. All the different biases are taken into account. The research is properly planned out. Yeah. And it, you're looking for that sort of statistical significance, aren't you? Absolutely. And that's where that scepticism needs to come in, in, a, in the true sense of the world. Yeah. Um, sort of psychology, that can be qualitative or quantitative. Um, so you can run it. But parapsychology tends to be based on statistical and I think a lot of that's my personal belief is a lot of that is because it has to be proven more. Yes. So it has to not be somebody's belief. So if you were to sort of do do it where you're looking and coding it and looking for patterns, mm -hmm. then you will likely or could influence what you know you're pulling out things that again confirmation bias that support your beliefs as a you know as a research so if I was sat there I'd be like oh look at that that that, that you know I'd be like going in on on the things that that interest me that probably that's where my belief system might affect the result yeah however if it's statistical mm -hmm. and you're setting up an experiment yeah. you know and you're doing all the or the methodology right, mm -hmm. you know, you then, you've got a credible scientific paper. And I think that that's what people need around, around this subject because there's just too much sort of speculation and uncertainty. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Wow, what a fascinating topic of conversation it's been today. Oh, it's been exciting. It has, I've loved it. So thank you for coming along and explaining more about what you do and how it all works. Are there any books that you can think of off the top of your head? I know I, if I ever get asked this, my brain tends to go blank, but is there anything that you could sort of suggest to people if they want to read or find more on the subject, any particular key people that are good to look at or books or information online? Yeah, so first I'd go to Google Scholar yeah. and I'd look at peer-reviewed things. So you can put in uh, searches on there, specifically on areas that you're interested in. I particularly, there's a book called Ghosted, right. uh, which is quite I, quite, I quite like the play on words here because mm -hmm. it's, it's a bit modern. Um, this is by a group of parapsychologists, leading parapsychologists, um, that include Kieran O'Keefe, who's been on Most oh, Haunted, right. also includes uh, Brian Laith. So these are international, so they're based in the UK, America. Um, James Haran, Neil Dagnall, and Kenneth Drinkwater. 
now they're really top of the game parapsychologists that that are really adding to to our knowledge at the moment they've wrote a fantastic book and i think sort of which probably mimics a lot of kind of some areas that that i've touched on they they look at ghost hunting so they're actually trying to bring everybody together um to to work on on this so they've suggested different ways of actually carrying out investigations that would stand scientific scrutiny and they've also um uh, now got an app um where you can actually it's designed to record all the different changes so instead of buying all the very expensive ghost hunting equipment um you can you can have this um app and and sort of i think it's got to be on an android phone um but if you yeah if you if you look ghosted up with these guys on then i think that's a good one there's also um a guy called Richard Wiseman, who is a skeptic, comes from a skeptical sort of yeah. viewpoint. So he was a magician. Uh, that that really gives you a real, a real different essence on on sort of sort of it. So how magicians can sort of fool you and the psychological tricks they use. I really enjoyed starting out, even though you know I start. I, st- I like starting off from that aspect because it gave me an understanding of how you can be tricked. Yeah. Um, and I think to be able to say that, yeah, this exists and that I can prove this, I think you've got to know how you can be tricked first. Definitely. That makes perfect um, sense. So that, that's an amazing book. Um, and Sue, Sue Blackmore is quite interesting because she came from an absolute position of belief and, and now... It, she's she's actually not a believer anymore but she had a lot of the OBE experiences so you know um her research is quite interesting too um there's a gentleman called Chris French um he's he's done some really good research and I'd really recommend him too wonderful that's amazing (laughs) well thank you ever so much for your time thank you for having me please do come back again thank you so thank you everyone for listening have a great day If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you are interested in what we do, please go to my website, www.tranquil-awakenings.co.uk. As well as information on the therapies I offer, there is also links to my Past Life Regression Therapist Programme and my Professional Hypnotherapy Training Programmes. If you are looking for online training for self-development, please go to debbieison.thinkific.com and also remember to follow me on social media. Simply on Facebook, type in Tranquil Awakenings to find my business page and I'm also on Instagram. I love hearing from you. Please do send any comments or questions and if you have any ideas of what you would like me to talk about on future episodes, please do send me a message.